Hello, everyone. I am Jason Tardik, and I am this week's man of the hour. If you want to tune into this episode, we talk all things restart, how to make the biggest or slightest adjustments to your life professionally, personally, and even financially. It's an episode you can't afford to miss. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Men of the Hour podcast. And before we roll an incredible conversation with Jason Tardik, I just want to tell you thank you for clicking play and continuing to come back each week. I hope these conversations are helping you in your journeys in whatever it is that you're in pursuit of and adding value to your lives. Before you exit the platform today, I would love to hear from you if you'd leave a rating and review right here where you're listening. And now we have Jason Tardik. Sure, he's the former bachelor, but he's been so busy lately with the incredible business and entrepreneurial things he's got going for himself. And he's even releasing a new book, The Restart Roadmap. This conversation's all about restarting and resetting your career in a way that only makes sense for you and you only. We're also getting the vulnerable Jason in ways we've never heard on a show yet. It's all happening right here, right now on the Men of the Hour. This is Jason Tardik. I just told you a little bit about him. Uh, as you first click play, you heard my annoying voice for about a minute now, and he's here. JT, so you launched a book. You're someone that I've looked at for a long time. You're someone I've watched for a long time, a uh, friend of a friend, now a friend, but this is about you. So I want to start with your book. Uh, I want to go into entrepreneurship with you, finance, because I know nothing about those things. If you clicked play, thank you for clicking play. You could have chose any other podcast, especially Jason's, which we'll also talk about. Uh, his podcast is a great podcast and I just love Jason. So Jason, welcome to the men of the hour. Justin, thank you so much for having me. I know we've been trying to schedule this for a while, so it's so exciting to get this uh, across the finish line. And I know that uh, you're good buddies with Pete and we have some mutual connections. So it's so nice to meet you in person too. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm actually probably going to see you this weekend. So if you're listening, this is just the magic of Zooming with folks, right? I might see Jason this weekend just from, from this call here. Can we start with your book? Because when I knew it was coming out, of course, we were like, we have to schedule you. I was pounding Evan and Julie and everybody at the firm. And I was like, listen, if you don't get Jason on this podcast before we hit 100, I'm going to cry myself to sleep. But now I'm like, wait, we did it. You're here. And the book is called The Restart roadmap, rewire and reset your career. And there's a lot of R's in there. So if you want to look it up, it's in the descriptor. You can just click on the link, pre-order it from Amazon, right? I got that yeah. note right before we yeah. had, oh, I'm so excited. And it's right behind you. We have the video footage right here uh, behind Jason as well. And a beautiful cover, bro. Like what? You look like God Almighty or whatever it is, Bruce Almighty. Uh, <laughs> Jason Almighty. Okay. I'm going to shut up. Can you tell us about the book? Why did you write this thing? <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. Pumping my tires right now. This is exactly what I need on a Friday afternoon, my man. Um, but I'll tell you what, like one of the big stories here is went on the best nine years of corporate America and it was a grind. I relocated four times. My largest move was from New York to Seattle. It's about 3000 miles. Didn't know anyone. I was the yes man. You tell me where to go, how to go. I'm going to do it. You tell me exactly how to dress. I'll dress. You tell me how to talk. I will be the company guy. Mm. And when I started to realize I was losing myself a little bit, like I was losing my own identity because my identity was being lived through my company. And mm. so against pretty much what every blueprint would tell you, uh, when I made that move to Seattle, about three months after I was asked to go on a reality television show, 
And everyone in my little circle was like, what the hell are you doing? You got a rocket ship on your back. You're not going. Parents, you're not going. Anyone and everyone I knew, you're an idiot to do this. But for the first time, literally in my 20s, I made a decision that could really impact my professional credibility and status because I did something I wanted. And it felt so good to do it. And I went on the show, The Bachelorette. And since going on that show, it's changed my life really in every single way. Professionally, who I'm engaged to, that detour turned my life upside down for the good. But after it, I went back to work. Mm. When I went back to work, it was about a year later, I was putting this ultimatum. And the ultimatum was, you can either restart your career at this bank. And what that entails is no more podcasts, no more side hustle, no more social media. I have to delete it. Mm. Gone. But if you do, you still have your job. Or you go restart your professional work outside of the bank. And no joke, they use the word restart. So not only did I go restart myself and my brand outside the bank, but I built a company called Restart to really help people do the same and refine their career to write mm. their stories as opposed to their stories being written for them. And within that, uh, I was approached by a publisher saying, hey, you have a great message and great tactics. Why don't you write a book? And so I wrote the book called The Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career. And mm. if, if anyone out there is rethinking any life choice from where you work to where you live, it could be as minimal as just having a negotiation with your boss or as material as literally changing your industry and what you do. This book has an eight-step process, an eight-step roadmap through experiences uh, I've gone through that can help you do just that. Mm. And you might have to pre-order to go find that stuff out because we don't have, <laughs> listen, as much as I would like to think we're going to take this hour and talk about the book and the steps that ruins the surprise of the actual book. So why don't you give us a little bit more of a hint as to when people open this thing, uh, maybe some of the value points that they would be getting out of it, for instance. So if, if, if someone is looking to not just restart their career, but potentially um, just completely pivot, maybe out of a different industry, uh, somewhere within the industry, but like completely different skill sets uh, that they're wanting to obtain and such. So coming out of your book there, especially after you wrote it, I'm still like, in awe. This is like another trick of the trade, right? Uh, you say trading secrets for your podcast. I'm like, well, here's another trick of your trade is that you're now an author, but when, can you just tease it up a little bit as to what people would find out uh, after reading it? Yeah. Let me tease it up a little bit. So I think one thing the book will do is to allow you to pause and really reflect where you are today and why you are there. Mm. And it's wild when we look deep into it, that at the age of 18, in the same year, we have to raise our hand and maybe get a hall pass to go to the bathroom. But in the same year, we're asked to make the biggest decision uh, that sets up the foundation of our life, what we're going to study and if we're going to yeah. go to school and the debt burden associated with it. So it's going to allow you to pause and really think about where you are today. And you might utilize all eight steps, you might utilize one of them. But if you're rethinking how you brand yourself, how you sell yourself, how you can get access in front of the most mm -hmm. important people, how to completely break the process and hack the hiring process to get your resume noticed, to get yourself noticed. If you're looking at how you can negotiate better with colleagues, with your boss, or how you can better understand your value to make sure you're getting compensated, um, or just really rethinking uh, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, this book 
really addresses it all. And the cool mm. part is, is some of these topics, uh, while very informational and I think insightful, can get a little boring. But I tell stories of where these lessons were learned and how they were practiced from behind the scenes of reality television to behind mm. the scenes of, of some really big other TV shows and from the offices of some of the most powerful executives uh, in the bank. And I open up the book talking about a very, 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 I'll just tease it, a very vulnerable time that no one knows about, but I was in the middle of a meeting and had the, an outrageous panic attack. And there's things I did to camouflage that for so many years of my career. And if I would have just listened to my inner voice a little sooner mm. than I did, I would have been where I wanted to be a little bit sooner. But how many people go through their whole life not listening to their inner voice, not writing the story they want for their career? So the smallest adjustment, mm. the smallest practice to literally a full change this book, you will for sure have a couple takeaways. I think right now the hardcover is like 23 bucks on Amazon. So I promise you will get a return. I mean, I remember there's one story I tell about how I got a 20% raise in a six minute conversation. So if you can get a 20% raise just with that tactic, boom, you got the 23 bucks covered. No, I love that. Listen, I heard 23 is actually a lucky number that that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So then you hit on one very important topic, which is listening to your inner voice. And I don't think a lot of people do that um, often enough, let alone at any point in their life, like you had just said. So what was your inner voice telling you? We gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask, and, and this hopefully doesn't give too much away from the book itself, but you know, as you were listening to your inner voice, first of all, what two-part question for you here, actually, what did your inner voice tell you? And then why ultimately were you ignoring it for a while? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's a great question. The thing is, is that my inner voice was telling me, especially every Sunday, I don't know if anyone's had Sunday scaries, but I was just mm. so anxious about the work week. Right. And when that door closed on Monday, I felt as though I was like locking myself in for prison, put the handcuffs on and I'm not getting out till Friday. And then when I got out Friday, uh, what did I do? I finally got to be me. I ran to the bar. I was ripping shots, hanging with the people I wanted to hang with, not with my banker bullshit, fake meeting tone, not networking with someone because they can give me an introduction. I was just me. And what was scary is when you think about it, if you're just you for one day or two days out of the week, it's a pretty bad equation, right? One day out of seven days is about 14%. If the average life expectancy in this world is around 79, 80 years, that means you're literally living 14% of your entire life within that day or two, if you're one of those people living for the weekends. And so I would do anything and everything though, to hide this voice. I would do anything to camouflage it. I was starting mm-hmm. to have panic attacks at work. because I was putting so much pressure on myself, trying to like live up to this expectation that just didn't feel natural. So I started taking Xanax. I started taking beta blockers. I started hiding them in Altoid cases. Then the Altoid cases were a little bit too clinky in meetings. So I would hide them in Listerine strip cases, all just in case that work panic attack came on. I could camouflage the sense of composure. And what's funny is about the the inner voice is that still, still all that didn't break me. That wasn't it. And so you think about how many things you might be doing to compartmentalize your dissatisfaction in your career or your distress or your frustration with your boss. I did Mm. it for nine years. I did it for nine years. But if you can be proactive uh, and not wait until you fall on your face, for uh, change to come and to listen to yourself. There's just so much you could do with the information you learn mm. and, and pivot accordingly to do what you're meant to be doing. And then nine years of that, who are some of the first people you called 
uh, as, as you were experiencing that high level of anxiety and having a Sunday scaries all the way to Friday. I also love the stat that you said about, um, people living for the weekend and such, and that only being about 14%, but you know, who are the first people you were calling through all that? Well, that, I mean, that's the interesting thing, right? I had, I was getting my MBA part-time and I had to make sure I paid that down. And to me, it was like this internal fight with myself. Like I need to make sure that I am presenting a vision of success because at the bank in Mm. some of the corporate structures, if you're not in that group of people that they perceive as like a high potential employee, complacency is your only stop. So for Mm. me, I didn't talk to anyone about it other than the psychiatrist that I met with that prescribed me those drugs to be using. I didn't talk about it with my partner. I didn't talk about it with my parents. I didn't talk to my best friends. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wild that this is really the first time I'm talking about this stuff is in my book. And so uh, there were a lot of inner voices and there were a lot of things I was doing to really camouflage some of the mental stress I was dealing with and some of the uh, really poor placement and poor decisions I was making uh, for where I was at at that time. Mm. And then this is the big question. If you're listening now, you're, you're probably thinking the same thing, but why, why wait that long to, to tell everybody, but um, sorry, to only tell your, your, your psychiatrist. I think the one thing is, is that what happens is you can only push things off for so long. You can only compartmentalize things for so long. And everyone has a different tolerance for how long they can deal with these things. But eventually you will break. Eventually Mm. you will fall on your face if you're not listening to yourself. And so for me, it took about nine and a half years before I broke. And in the book, I don't want to tease it. I talked to you about what actually, what was the breaking point? It wasn't the Xanax, wasn't the propanerol. It wasn't uh, seeing my psychiatrist and not telling anyone. It was something. And so Mm. I'll let you guys read and find out what it was. But the one thing I'll tell you is that everyone has that breaking point. How long or when it will be, who knows? But if you're putting off listening to yourself and doing things for what your best interest is and really setting the path and and doing things for you, uh, you eventually too will fall on your face. If that's how the beginning of the book starts, then I can only imagine how the other seven roadmap tricks of this trade, right? Go. Um, I'm so excited for you, dude. This is, this is going to be a great read. Um, I love and- this. The first, the first three lines here. I'm on the floor of a well-appointed executive men's room at the headquarters of an important client. At the moment, I'm having a full, flat-out featured anxiety attack, trembling, sweating, turning white as a ghost, hugging myself for dear life, absolutely terrified. There's your first three sentences. <laughs> All right. So there's, there, there's that one, man. You know, so book aside for a sec, because as, as, I know that, you know, full disclosure here, Jason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send him off into a publishing call right after this call. So I'm going to make sure that he gets to that. So I want to move this conversation along with you and and understand the entrepreneur side of Jason, uh, the, the finance, what I consider an expert, because if, if you didn't consider yourself an expert before you had launched your podcast, Trading Secrets, I would now assume that you have so much more knowledge because you've interviewed some of the best people. And so with entrepreneurship, after having left corporate banking though, like I've heard stories, your story, and now like we hear it from everybody who's in the baking industry. It just gets so intense, right? Anything to do with money just seems very tense and stressful uh, in this country for some reason. So when you left that and you started this world of entrepreneurship for yourself, 
uh, you know, especially with restart, what were the beginning stages of that? How scared were you? And then what were you ultimately hoping to build? Yeah. So the beginning stages of that was one finding a gap. Like what can my niche be? Especially when you get off the show, like the bachelorette, you now have this platform. It's like, what can I do? You know, Mm. what can be my thing? And I think everyone, whether you know, you have a platform or not, everyone does have a platform. If you have one person following you or 10 million, um, the idea here is that there's something that is special about you. When you look around the table, there's something that differentiates you. Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's a certain niche uh, knowledge you have. Maybe it's your work experience. Maybe it's just life experience, but there's something that defines you that's different. And for me, it was this, this corporate run and learning some crazy lessons behind the scenes of some of the most powerful people in banking and grinding my way to where I did in nine years. And so I learned that not only did I have this business acumen of you know 10 years of corporate banking and lending over $150 million uh, and an MBA in accounting and finance, but I had this ability to take some of these tough concepts and really break them down and make them understandable as it relates to career management, personal finance. Mm. And so I think the first thing everyone's got to do there is like, what is the value add? And for me, it was that. And the eye-opening piece for the start of this business was when it was March, 2020, the Dow Jones and S&P 500 were getting absolutely slaughtered. And I just asked my audience, you know, right now, put you on the spot. Could you explain what the Dow Jones and S&P 500 are in just like a few sentences? And literally 91% of over 250,000 people who responded said they could not do it effectively. Yeah, I believe it. Right. And so that was, that was a huge gap. And with that gap came a business plan, a business plan to educate, inform and provide insight within these topics and, and also a business plan to differentiate. And since then we now have a weekly newsletter with thousands of subscribers. We have a a business networking group that people um, pay a monthly fee and they're part of, we have the podcast trading secrets. We have a trading app called Fintron. We have the first book of two books coming out. And we have, um, yeah, a consulting platform, which we consult with small and large businesses and individuals. So it's been, uh, it's been a great run. It's been exciting. You say we, who's, who's we, can you describe this team to us? I, I can only imagine who you've had to hire and who you've had to talk to, to build a team out. Cause I mean, here's the thing. And, and if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my God, I want to be an entrepreneur. But after everything Jason just said, uh, fuck no, not anymore, because there's so many things that I would have to then go build, right. Based on that mission that you just described to us, which is a phenomenal one, right. It's all about the things that you had learned and what you are trying to help other people learn in a, probably a much more simpler way which I commend you for because not many people can do that. But as you've done that, what did the team look like? And like, who, who would you say is your team? Here's a good learning lesson too. And I've learned this. Think about anybody you look up to, right? Let's say I say, Justin, who's your favorite celebrity? And you instantly say the rock. Jason Tardick. (laughs) So suppose it's like the rock, right? Do you know the army of people working behind that guy every single day from his tequila to his PR, to his showbiz, to his image, to who's styling him? I mean, he has an army and that is who is responsible, including, of course, The Rock and everything he delivers. And so with all, that's why I always say we, because it's never just about I, I have a team that helps me get stuff out every single day, every day, the market's open. We have Instagram stories that mm. break down the things you got to know in an easy way to understand it. 
every day of the week, every day of, of the year. We have posts that are out there. We have like updated newsletters, stock picks. I mean, we are doing so much work and there is no possible way I could do this all myself. Mm. And so when I say we, I have a carefully find uh, selected team of, of unbelievable professionals um, with such different backgrounds. And that's a really big thing for me mm. is that I learned this in business school probably one of the only things I learned. And it was when we, they made our MBA teams, they mm. gave us these very in-depth personality tests. And what they did was they made sure that our team had none of the same personalities. And so when you have people with different skill sets and different backgrounds, it can create the best teams. And you really don't want people that are replicating the same skill sets you have and the same foundation. And no one on our team has that. We all have totally, totally different uh, business acumen, different uh, skill sets, and we work well as one. And we have, uh, you know, we have full-time professionals. We have some interns that are currently in school. Uh, we have some people that chose not to go to college who kick ass. So it's a very well-balanced yeah. team. We work every day to knock it out. Knock it out. Hopefully we see you in the boxing ring next. You know, the speaking of knocking out, panic attacks get you there, right? Not to bring it back up to beat a dead horse, but I have to ask you the difference of how you feel now to be kind of owning and operating your own business and your own name and your own team uh, compared to when you were in corporate finance, right? Or corporate banking and someone else was doing that, right? And kind of giving you that. I felt like the, a lot of the reasons people get stressed in a corporate environments is too much pressure from the down to, uh, from the top down. So now that you're at the top where you're kind of doing everything, how would you describe the difference in like your stress level, your happiness, um, your, your, I tell people your peace, you probably have so much peace right now, right? Because it is what you make of it as opposed to what someone else is making of it and asking you to do for that, right? So can you describe some of that to us? Sure. So a lot of the bureaucracy is really what's what's challenging and frustrating in, in, in the political hierarchy of the corporate America situation I was working at. Mm. I would say if I had to summarize it quickly, it would be when I was going to work at the company, it was, how do I get through this day? What do I do to check the boxes and be done? And the thought process today is how do I literally extend the hours that I have in this day to do as much as I possibly can? How can I broaden my uh, output so that I'm as efficient as possible in making the greatest impact? And at the end of the day, did I move the chains for myself and my team? And so those are such totally different approaches that provide yeah. such different energy levels for, for really what you're trying to accomplish. So it, it was literally like, how do I get through this day? And this is like, how do I do everything to make the most of this day? Mm. And I work, yeah. I'll tell you the other thing too, what's interesting right now I work, I mean, there are, there are days that I work more in one day now than I would mm. work in a week at the bank. In banking. Yeah. <laughs> but I it, you know, when you're, when your skill sets and your passions or everything is aligned with what you're doing, uh, it doesn't seem like work it's and it's so much more energizing, exciting than, uh, you know, the prior. Than the prior. I love that that's the way you explain it because oftentimes I feel like people really until they hear it out loud, like for what you just said about taking taking everything that you're passionate about and and applying it right to a bigger goal or purpose is that's a dream come true. You know what I mean? But you didn't, re I mean, did you see this happening for yourself up until the nine year mark of, of you know, pretty much getting to, to, the, to the lowest point? 
Yeah. So I took the, the job I took in Seattle was strictly a very strategic move. So it was a two-year deal. And, and by the way, Trading Secrets, what we do is we talk openly about money. The theory is that behind every dollar earned and dollar lost, there's a great story and we provide more information mm. so that each person listening can adjust what they're doing and maybe renegotiate for themselves. So when I talk open about dollars, it's because that's what I do day in and day out. And I'm not saying in a braggadocious manner and I'm not saying it in an I love it. Manner. So yeah, yeah. when I got asked to go out there, it was 2017 and I, they paid me $110,000 signing bonus and the base was 165 with pretty solid upside um, in commission. You could more than double your base salary based on your performance. So it was a great financial package. My thought process was I knew I was burnt out. I knew that I wasn't in the right spot, but I needed more financial freedom to make the move I wanted to make. And so I went out there because it was a two-year contract. And if I fulfilled the two years out there, um, all the signing bonus was free and clear. The moving money was free and clear. And I could cash flow and budget accordingly to completely have the financial position I needed to move. So my plan was to do two years out there and then change my entire career path and restart what, where I wanted to be. So I had a plan and it took an ultimate detour when I got a call from the bachelorette asking me to go on a reality yeah. television. <laughs> Wait, so that means you then didn't pursue the full two years in Seattle and then you went on the show instead or was this after? Correct. So I went on right. this is another fun part about the book is people always ask this like, wait, how is this surgeon on? How is this banker on? How is this accountant taking three months to go on the memo that I wrote to my boss? It's the exact memo, which is an outrageous memo, outrageous is in the book. And I talk about how I got, oh, I permission, how I got permission to go on, uh, how I did the calculations to let them know when I'd likely be back. And I had 29 days of built up PTO that I used. After that, I went on non-paid time off. And then I came back immediately after. And when I came back after, it was about a, <laughs> ye it was about a year and a half, a year, year and a half of working until we eventually uh, decided to part ways. <laughs> <laughs> and go on to a show that, that also has helped change your life. What do you think has been the biggest um, game changer for you? Was it the show? Was it moving out to Seattle? Was it um, anything else? I mean, and I, I feel you, like there's so would many. Would you say for, for what? Like just like if I look at my life or would you say businesses or would you say, what would you say? What's the, best, <laughs> the biggest game? Well, because your life is a business. That's a two-headed one. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. The, you know, I, I guess for you personally, put the business aside for a moment, uh, if you don't mind. And I think that like, what do you feel like has been the biggest impact of all these changes? I mean, these are all very huge lifestyle changes you've made each, yeah, like I, every so many years. I could answer this in so many different ways, but the first thing that comes to mind with this question is there was something as weird as it sounds therapeutic about going on the show. And I'll tell you why. So for two and a half, three months, you don't have your phone. You don't have mm. your internet. You don't have your friends to, you know, your crutches in life to like help you out through tough times or your family. You have no one but yourself, producers and other cast members that are trying to date the same person and your thoughts. And I'll never forget, it was, it was week two of The Bachelorette. And I'm sitting down, the producer's interviewing me. And she's trying to like get some emotional sh discussion going, trying to understand me a little bit. But I'm like a stone cold wall. I am the corporate banker, Jason. <laughs> Everything is perfect. We're good. What can I do for you? Absolutely. This is how we do it. And she stops. She goes, cut the camera. And she looks at me and she's like, what's going on? Like, what, what's your deal? And I was like, taken aback. What do you, what do you mean? She goes, 
I ask you about your exes. I ask you about your previous life. I ask you about everything going on and everything's perfect. You've never had an issue. You and your ex broke up and you, 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 everything's per you're in a great, you guys are good. You're cordial. Like why do you not have emotions? Like what's your deal? And I was, it was very eye opening to me. And I kind of broke down in that moment. Now I, I kind of just had this like coming to, I was like, Jesus Christ, she's right. And I started to realize I, I just don't, I compartmentalize everything. I don't share how I'm feeling. And that's because I'm so caught up in the day to day and, you know, all the stuff and technology mm. that life's bringing our ways, just keep pushing ahead. Don't connect with yourself. And that was a moment where things started to change for me. And I really started to connect not only what I thought made sense, but I started to connect like my head and my heart. And mm, I started getting comfortable talking, talking about like, you know, why, why would I not talk about some of the struggles I had? Why would I not talk about the fact that my ex-girlfriend cheated on me? And I'm really hurt by that. And that has a huge impact on who I am uh, today and the next moves I make. Like, why don't I talk about these certain things? Um, shame on me. And so that was a very a, a personal time that I'm grateful for and has really helped me be extremely more vulnerable and honest and authentic with the way I'm feeling and the way I'm thinking, not just the way I want it to be perceived. Mm. And take. Because that, <laughs> that was recorded. I didn't do what the producer did. I was like, hey. you said she was like, you cut the cameras. Cut what? the cameras. They, they, did it. A... they cut it. The lights went out, everything. She's like, what's wrong with you? I was yeah. Like, that's intense. <laughs> that's intense. That's life changing. I'm so that. glad I asked you that question, dude. Because I mean, think about it. That's the, that's the main reason people continue to run away from uh, for, from their experiences that are probably more life changing than they ex than they would have expected. It's because they don't realize. You said the head and the heart. That that fucking hit the nail on the head anyway. You know, connecting your head and heart. And and if you've been like through autopilot, I'm not telling you what you were going through, but if you are set on autopilot for that many years in banking, holy shit. Like I think anybody who's going through that might have also been like a little bit disconnected emotionally. Totally. It's just that your behavior doesn't at all align to your emotions. And if that's the case, I think everyone needs to take a pause and really think about things because yeah, I mean, it is so critically important that you align those mm -hmm. two behaviors and emotions and really understand yourself. And, and that goes for personal development. That goes mm -hmm. for your relationship development. That goes for professional development as well. I want to talk a little bit more about trading secrets, but before we do that, uh, no, I'm kidding. Everybody's probably like, wait, what is he going to do? Is he going to tag an ad? Is he going to ask Jason to like <laughs> jump up and down, do a backflip? Da, da, da. No, I'm kidding. Before we do that, I want to ask you, uh, as you've been hosting your podcast, mm -hmm. is there any part of you that has been so emotionally in tune that that's, I mean, you mentioned the word vulnerability and being open now. Uh, when I used to, when I, when I have listened to your podcasts episodes, I feel like it's all honest. It's just an open book. Like you had said, it's, it's all about finance, but ultimately like you guys are talking about everything everybody else would consider. Like, um, what do you call it? Like you just shouldn't be talking about certain things within money, but you guys are talking about all of it. So having gone through the bachelor show and you can probably see why I'm teeing up this question, but going through the bachelor show and having that producer get you as emotional and vulnerable as she did then, do you feel like that's now made you into the podcast host you are now to at least produce these incredible episodes um, on trading secrets? 
I think it's helped with everything, right? I think mm. when you have, when you share vulnerability, it helps you with your connection with your friends, your family. Uh, it helps me with my, my business and certainly uh, the podcast. When I can be open and honest about a struggle I had or a success I had, if I can share those moments, I'm instantly creating an open environment for someone to do the same. And I think mm. just like in general, it's like, that's like the depth of human connection. Human connection is built on shared experiences, vulnerability, honesty. If everything is high level, it's going to stay high level. And so I, I, I've learned that really digging deeper uh, definitely has helped me in every realm uh, that I operate, especially the podcast. But the, yeah. one tactic, the one tactic I always use with the podcast whether it's, you know, A-Rod or like today we had one of the Real Housewives of New York on, regardless of like what the status of these people are, um, I always lead by creating a vo open vulnerability by sharing experiences first, right? So I'm going to take that first leap, leap of faith. I'm going to be open and honest with you. I'm going to be self-aware about where I screwed up. And if I do the same, it creates an open discussion, an open environment uh, for my guests to also do it. Mm. Would you say there's, um, especially as you've done so, what episodes are, what episode number are you on now? I should click this little thing, but I don't want to come out of the Zoom call. <laughs> so we're, we're almost on episode 50. So we started uh, in May of last year. We just do one episode every single Monday. We're almost at our annual uh, first year. So we're just months away. Oh, That'll be linked down in the, script, uh, the descriptor below everybody. But as you're interviewing people, do you think it is a trick or is it something like, what is it about connecting with people on such a deep level that you've found uh, to, to become a more comfortable doing so? Because I mean, everybody's always like, yeah, you're extrovert. Like you and I are like people, Justin, Jason, you guys are extroverted. Of course, you're fucking interviewing people for an hour at a time and becoming their best friend. <laughs> think about it. That's how Pete and I became friends. But sure. I'm like, well, no, it's not just that, but I want your answer. I can give mine, but for you, what's been yeah. like a secret sauce or is it something that you just have to continue to practice a formula of, of, of creating those deep relationships and conversations well, I think, really? I want you to take this example. Like think about when we, let's not all forget like introvert or extrovert. We are humans, but we're animals, right? So like what are, we have like natural tendencies that we can't escape because we are literally living animals. And so like when we get into the elevator, what do we do? We all clinch up. We look, we're tight. It's weird. It's awkward, right? We're, this is a protection <laughs> mechanism yeah. that has stemmed from thousands and thousands of years of being, you know, what we are. And so I think one of the biggest takeaways from that is if someone knocks on your door or someone cold calls you, or someone comes up to you at the bar or someone introduces themselves, the natural instinct of a human is to protect and guard up. Like if I go, if someone go knocks on my door, who the fuck are you? What do you want? What do you need? Someone cold calls me right now. What do you need? What, what's going on? What's the problem? What's the problem? Someone comes up and they at the bar. It's like, okay, what, what, what's up? What's your, what's your name? Who are you? Like, why are you inviting yourself into my space? And as humans, we can't avoid it. It's thousands and thousands of years working against us. So my biggest tactic in, in building relationships or interviewing or, or doing anything or seeing, you know, going up to someone at the bar or whatever it may be. And this is a huge, huge selling tactic for anyone that's selling out there bring those walls down, bring those guards down, pose yourself in no threatening way whatsoever. And as soon as you can get someone to just let their guards down, you're not here to push them or to ask for something. You're just here to have a conversation. Then things will change. What is one way I do that on the podcast? Every person that comes to my podcast from 
anyone I've had, I will always say before I start, listen, I'm not in the business because in a lot of the people I interview are in the business of people trying to get them. They need the one mm-hmm. line, they need the clickbait mm-hmm. right there when they sit down. I'm not in the business of clickbait. I am not in the business of trying to get you to say something you're not comfortable saying. At any point in this conversation, you want anything out. Yeah. It's over. You tell me and it's gone. And right there, I'm now establishing trust. I'm yeah. establishing credibility. And what, what happens to all of them? They all become more relaxed. Oh, all right. I like this guy. So there's one example of how I do it every day. And I did it this morning with the Real Housewives. And she shared great stuff. I didn't think she was going to talk about how much they got paid and how much she made and what they got paid per episode. (laughs) If she comes with me right now and says, Jason, take it out, word is on her. Yeah. That's a tactic I use every day and I use it on the podcast and I used it today. (laughs) There's got to be something there, uh, the, the Tartic tactic. How about that? <laughs> tactic, tactic sounds a little bit kind of like we're going what's into your, war or something. What's your answer though? I mean, I know you said you have your answer. To I mean, as you're, t- as you're talking, a lot of that made sense for how, how I've done it as well. I mean, I've interviewed people on a couple of different platforms and each time it's all about making sure that they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always just told people being a friendly face, right? Being, yeah. be, being uh, someone that they can just like open up to in the sense, but I mean, as, as a host, right. As a journalist, as an interviewer, you do have a duty, right. To your listeners and to the folks that are tuning into the, to the conversation or the soundbite or whatever that piece of content comes out to be, you have a responsibility to kind of get them what they signed up and clicked play for. And so at least with podcasting, I've noticed you probably see this too. It is so cool. We're doing it right now. I have five other questions I haven't asked. You probably won't ask you them. You know what I mean? Cause this is just better a conversation. And uh, that's how this stuff goes. And what's interesting is, as I used to do red carpets, probably with the housewife that you interviewed, and I always used to be on a carpet. It's like, you get 30 seconds. That's it. You get like 10 seconds to ask them a question, get the answer and get the hell out. And, and that's, that was a little bit too much. And I was like, no, podcasting is way better. You get them for like 30 minutes or an hour or whatever that is. But everything you said, I, I completely, um, respect and admire because not many people are able to to lean into it as much because there always is somewhat of a proposition for folks um no matter what you're doing and and i want your thoughts on this quickly how you know as as you're talking to folks right and then they might be the expert they have the experience they have the narrative that's their story as you're listening um just give us a run for our money here because we're talking about your podcast you know as as you're listening what is it that you kind of tell yourself as you want to continue that conversation as you hear something that you may not have expected that you would have heard from that guest? Yeah. I, so what I'm telling myself during the whole conversation of the podcast too is stay fucking locked in. Stay locked in. Don't start <laughs> thinking about what you got to do tonight. Don't start thinking about the, the checklist. Don't start thinking about your date night. Stay locked in. Why? Because every time I'm locked in, I'm curious. I'm genuinely curious about what they're saying. I want to know more. And so when you let your brain like just naturally wander, kind of like what we're doing right now, it creates so much more natural curated conversations, which is why every single episode that I have done live will outperform anything that I do virtually. Because if I'm there in the room with them, I'm even more connected and locked in with the conversation. So for me, it's like natural curiosity is so important. And the thing is, is that everybody likes to talk about themselves. And this is a great tool Mm. for networking, right? Is like, listen to someone that you're trying to network with. Be curious about themselves. Let them talk about themselves. And the impression that you're going to make is going to be 
unbelievable. And also when you're listening, it gives you more information. When you're talking less and listening more, you have more information for your next play, for your next angle, for your next discussion, for your next meeting. And so that's what some people uh, forget. And I think genuine curiosity, just staying focused. I remember with um, Mm -hmm. Becca on The Bachelor, this is another great takeaway. When was the last time you went on a date? Or when was the last time you had an hour conversation? where there was no technology, none, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. one disruption, right? We sat at this dinner table for three hours when, when we were filming, of course, oh, not yeah. one disruption and the ability of depth we were able to go just because of the ultimate focus of only one another mm. is so much next level. I remember that conversation of her and, and for, for the record, for everyone listening, I'm very happily engaged right now. Yeah, she right, has right, a significant right. other and she is so happy too. So this is just a learning lesson from an experience. Yeah. But, you know, she told me about when her father had cancer and passed away. And mm. I told her about how my grandmother had Alzheimer's and things that like of depth that I really never got to that we were able to, um, to, to really dig deep. And I think that comes from just staying locked in a conversation and avoiding distractions. Mm. Yeah, because as I'm listening to you, I'm over here like I'm locked in, I'm focused, I'm listening to Jason. And then as we want to tape to live this interview, which we are right now, this is exactly how, listen, (laughs) I just wrote this down and I'm going to ask you it right now because I don't want to waste any more of your time. Um, You know, you guys, he said yes to the whole hour. A lot of folks were like, yeah, like that's a long time. But I'm like, it's a podcast. And dude, you you're right. Staying locked in and focused, which we will go back to in just a moment, folks. I have to ask you this because I thought about it and I typed it out and I was like, I would be stupid not to ask you this right now. <laughs> Your book title and the company name being Restart for the most part, right? Book titles a little longer with some more R words, which I love. But if you could restart, Jason, right? I mean, you've already told us a lot about your life and I'm, I could only imagine where it's going to go forward. But if you could restart, not saying you regret anything, not saying that, you know, you want to white, you know, cut everything out. If you could restart, where would you be in the world? And what would you want to see yourself doing professionally and personally? Interesting. So if I restarted my entire journey, like if Today. I hit a race button and I was like, where am I next? Hmm. Um, that is a great point. Uh, great question. I think if I hit, I think I'm, I'm definitely where I want to be, but if you said you can't be where you got to be and you got to take a whole different direction, I think one thing, I think I have a, a good ability to lead others while having the ability to also be led, which is a unique characteristic. Most leaders, I think, have the ability to lead, but they can't also be led. And I think I would have gotten into, and maybe still may at some point, but some form of a greater leadership. So maybe it's a larger role at a company where I have a ton of people under me, or it might be even like politics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that could have been uh, a way to go. I don't see either of those two on the near trajectory, but there, and if I had to give myself advice starting over with this new potential restart moment, you just brought up the one thing I would tell myself is ignore the noise and stop giving a shit about what people think. It literally means nothing. And as you move and you meet new people, uh, all those people you cared so much about what their opinion was, doesn't mean shit. Just (laughs) the best version of you 
compete against yourself and no one else mm. and just ignore the noise. So many people are hurting. So many people are lost. So many people are insecure with themselves. And so they will project anything onto someone who they see as secure and confident mm. and moving. And so you got to ignore those noise. You can't let that uh, deter you from being the best version of you. You see how I ask one restart question and then he gives us all this incredible, like you're, it's like incredible word vomit. Like your mind is just, your mind is so perfectly wired at this point to just understand what we need. Do you see how me asking one question, you know what I mean? Like we just got everything we needed to out of that five minutes that you were speaking. Now that we have less than 10, uh, we'll commit, maybe we go back to focus for a moment and being locked in. Cause as you brought up in, in that, answer you just spoke about how you got to cut the noise and the bullshit and what other people are thinking about you. Yes. But that's what I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is adding to the, the, the incapability of being locked in and focused. Would you, would you agree? hundred percent. Completely agree with that. Yeah. I completely and, agree. With that. And as those two are related at what point in your life, I'm sure it was probably most recently or, you know, prior to the show, but at what point in your life did you figure out that those two things needed to be separated in order to stay locked in and focused? And then how ultimately were you honing in so good at that? Uh, and, and then now getting to a place of mastery, to be honest, it sounds like mastery. Yeah. I think, I think it's just like, it's small, small wins, right? I think it's literally like any bit of small win creates momentum. And so when you start to really identify and get self-aware with some of those weaknesses you have, just find the smallest win, whatever that weakness is. Maybe for mm. me, it was being locked in and being emotionally vulnerable and being real with myself and listening to those voices. It doesn't change overnight, but small wins create momentum that allow it to change. So even like, like exercise is a big one, right? Some people mm -hmm. just really struggle with exercise. Find out what it's going to take for a small adjustment and build off that small win. And I think that's for me what it's done. And it's still something I work on every day. I haven't perfected anything. And if mm. I can wake up today and be, you know, better than I was yesterday, then it's a good day. And you get, you gotta be self-aware to say it's okay not to be perfect. Mm. That it is Jason Tardick. As, <laughs> as we look forward here, we have the book right in like less than a month. You can pre-order it now. It's in the descriptor below. I'm not kidding. It's going to be clickable, which is the dopest thing about podcasts nowadays. Nowadays, uh, I might even link like an old episode maybe, right? For anybody who's tuning in that loves Jason from The Bachelor, that's always a big thing. <laughs> and, you know, looking forward, you have so many things you're working on. I think the Restart brand, I don't just think, I know the Restart brand is incredible and phenomenal. It's only going to get bigger the podcast is continuing to grow. You've talked, talked so openly about, you know, how you guys have grown. I mean, it's a year in 50 episodes and almost, and like, I can only imagine how many people have stayed with it since episode one or came in episode 42 and like, or not leaving. Yeah. So that's all going to be amazing for you, but looking forward, what's going to keep you motivated to keep all that going in the right direction. And ultimately to be scaled. These things are going to grow and you're going to want them to get bigger, I'm sure, but what's going to motivate you to, to keep it all going? Yeah. So as far as like, what's going to motivate me, I don't need any more motivation. My motivation. <laughs> I love is, that. I know what it is. Like, I, and that's a cool thing. I think if someone, if you're not motivated, uh, I can tell you why. And it's because you can't answer that question right away. So right now, anyone listening, if I say what drives you every day, if you don't know the answer, it's time to really do some digging to find the answer for me. 
every single day. I work my ass off. It's not for the paycheck. It's not mm. for the big money. I work my ass off so that I never have to work for anybody I never want to work for again. I can either be my own boss or have the option and flexibility to only work for who I want ever. That is my goal as long as I live. And that's what keeps me going 24 seven. So that's my motivator. Um, how I think like, what will be next? Um, mm -hmm. I think continuing to, so the cool thing about the restart brand, everything I've been able to do is I've noticed that I'm starting to gravitate towards helping other people do the same. So mm. the impact of helping people with personal finance is extremely gratifying. The impact of helping small business grow and find like the perfect partner, the perfect investor, super gratifying. The impact of seeing people come off the bachelor, bachelorette. I was going to say, really, yeah. And really helping them strategize with what's next, how to build a brand is extremely gratifying. So under the restart brand, whether it's small business investing, it's brand deals, it's the podcast, it's the book writing, um, it's the newsletter, whatever it may be, the blogging. These are really cool experiences I want to continue to grow, but I also want to continue to help others do the same. And so where mm. I could see this growing in five, 10 years from now is instead of having one podcast, we might have a bunch of podcasts under the restart brand. Instead of working with one financial influencer, we have 30 or 40 different celebrities we're working with. Uh, instead of just having my two books under our world, we now understand the book business and can help people publish books. So I think it's about growing and scaling what we're doing while mm. finding ways to make impact on people who want to do the same. Can I just say, I'm going to be like JT when I grow up? <laughs> That's the. <laughs> I want to be like Justin Timberlake, too. <laughs> Jason Tardick, dude. This is th this is one hell of an episode. What are you drinking? Is this cold brew? I don't tell this me you're is, drinking um, bourbon this early. I had, no, I wish, man. I haven't had a drink since last Saturday, and today's Friday. Good for um, you. I know. I'm on a little cleanse. This is just Starbucks coffee that was in the uh, old cup a little too long. So I just. Oh, <laughs> Over we've all we've, we've all done that right especially when it was supposed to be hot you throw it in the, the refrigerator hot, place turn yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no wow, wow wow that's that's another secret okay speaking of secrets you you gave us so much already uh and you're we're going to continue to find more secrets which is so exciting uh on your new book the restart roadmap rewire and restart your career we're going to be linked below like i'd said you guys can click on that shit all you want please pre-order it it's uh going to come out in just a few weeks uh you can find jason all over social those will also be linked below you could also 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 go find him on the bachelor show right i think those things are still streaming out in the marketplace everywhere you go to youtube type in jason tardic you're going to find this guy anywhere most importantly your podcast is an incredible we talked about it and we got inside your head a little bit too See if I say we, and it's like me, you and Evan on this call. Um, but, 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 but we did, right. We as listeners to, to your narrative just now got a little bit more um, about what your life as a podcaster is like too. So if you, if you're interested in finance and uncovering a little bit more about that world uh, and just listening to Jason talk more, cause he's fucking great down below link, 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 link. That was the episode, man. And I just want to say thank you for saying yes and trusting me with this conversation because I thought it was incredible. Um, and dude, you're you're awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was great. I know it's been a long time coming, so it's exciting to make it happen. And man, you're gonna be in Nashville this weekend, so give me a call. Hey, it's Justin again. And before you exit this very episode, wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you for being here. I hope you learned something new and are leaving more inspired by the conversation you just heard. Men of the Hour is also on Instagram and YouTube at Men of the Hour Podcast, where you can find all of our video sneak peek exclusives and full episodes. 
Be sure to follow and subscribe and do all those great things so that we can stay connected. And right before you jump, I would love to hear from you if you would put a rating and review right here where you're listening. Until next Monday, continue taking care of yourself and building the best possible life.